you can go first. Uh, I'm Will. And I'm Bryce. Uh, this is SideQuests. And Will has just played Halo 1 for the first time-ish. That's exactly right. And it was fun and interesting. And there's a lot here. So Will and I have just played several hours of... <laughs> I just got a cat in, the, a cat in the hand. But yeah, yeah. it's worth, it's worth two, two in the bush. <laughs> <laughs> this is Trillian. She is wants us to pet her. But not touch her, as far as I can tell. Which, which is hard to do. It's true. Yeah, we, we just played a bunch of Halo. And we just played about several hours. Yeah. Of... I thought we played three levels of Halo, but Halo maybe thought we played two. Yeah, it's really confusing. I've never stopped there. So we played the Pillar of Autumn, where you run around on the human ship. Then we played the one where you've just crash-landed on the planet. And then you play the next one where you have, like, sniper rifles, and you run through, and then you get to the grav lift, and then you end up on the, the Covenant ship, and... Uh, and you save the guy. But th the fact that that is all one level is actually a little weird to me, because that's clearly two levels. Yeah. Like, clearly you do a thing in one location, and then you get to the grav lift. Yeah. And then you're in a new location, so that's a new level. Right. But we quit because we were done, and then it turned out that even though that was like an hour, right? And then after you do that level, you like save the guy, save you know Admiral you, Dude. By that you mean you battle all the way through an alien spaceship and make it to somebody, and then you like have a definite. Yep, this feels the, like a new thing now. Right, you have a cutscene, and then it goes into widescreen mode. Yeah. Um, I'm confused about why that wasn't a new level. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we we left and then we went back in to just check. And it was like, oh yeah, you have to play the third level now. Right. It's possible it saved our progress. Yeah, and who knows? And maybe we'll join and maybe there's checkpoints in the level and yeah. you go back. And we have to replay that level again. Like, that's fine. Yeah, I think it's actually fun level yeah right like you've played this game before mm -hmm. so obviously replaying the level is not a disaster to you yeah um, i feel like i've played the first three levels of that game many times right and that's what happens yeah. but i don't always go back and just play the first couple levels of games well and but you show games to people and mm -hmm. so when you show games to people you play the yeah and then you decide to play them again right and you're like oh maybe i'll just play it all by myself. I remember those levels incredibly vividly and I remember the like second to last and last level. Uh, I don't want to spoil them for you but it's... Are, are they good? Is that yeah the... well the last level is the Pillar of Autumn again. Okay. Inside the ship. Sure. But it's been rotated 90 degrees. That sounds great. Which is cool. Yeah. That's um, really awesome. Right. It, that is in fact the best thing about the movie Titanic. Mm, yeah, there's not really that much good about the movie Titanic. But the things that are good about it are incredibly good. Right. And are some of the best in the field, which is Hollywood movies. So it's a pretty competitive field. <laughs> it's, it's, it is a competitive field. There's a lot of Hollywood um, movies. But I think the Titanic does disaster movie where you rotate the set 90 degrees about as good as anyone has. Yeah. That's true. Um, so what was your take, having never played this game before? Um, so there's like a bunch of different things, right? There's a story. Um, mm -hmm. And the story's great. I mean, it's, it's video game great. So mm -hmm. you're playing it and you're like, yeah, okay, I know this story, but I'm looking forward to seeing you tell it. Yeah. Because every video game sci-fi is an amalgamation of all other... It's not all other... Pop culture sci-fi is just pastiche of the past um and and that's fine and it's great and either you're doing storytelling or you're doing something else and very few people are doing both at the same time so it's a fine story mm -hmm. you know you're like oh we're some humans and there's some aliens and they're they have some kind of there's something interesting about the aliens being religious mm -hmm. um what's interesting about that is that the traditional alien infestation is like a cold war hive mind communist allegory and then mm. superimposing religion on top of that is quite reasonable to you know the mind of 
some humans who are like me who you know have opinions about religion but at the at the same time it actually is pretty interesting because because it's a different set of ideological overtones superimposed on the on essentially the same story right like i feel like the protoss have some religion going on yeah the protoss are very right so everyone has experienced science fiction um, because it's one of the major genres in contemporary society. Right. At the very um, least, you've seen Star you Wars. Star Wars, and you, you know, if you're our age, you cannot have not seen some Star Trek in syndication. It would be, like, literally impossible. Yeah, at least um, while flipping channels. Yes, yeah, right. Like, you've seen The Simpsons and Friends and Seinfeld and Frasier and Star Trek in syndication. Even if you decided you hated it, yeah. you watched... Three minutes? Right, yeah, it's there. Um, you, you knew they existed. And, and so there are all these touchstones, but if you play games, there are other touchstones. And video games have historically been built on other media, right? Mm -hmm. like, and a lot of people who like think about video games feel like there is this attempt to make video games cinematic in a certain way, mm -hmm. and that can be good or bad based on based on how it's done and based on your opinions of the of the medium which is like a can of worms i'm not opening right now yeah it's really funny and it's why we started with the canon is talking about these touchstones yeah but i don't know if i would show everyone all of the games i've ever played right but like i definitely have decided that you should play halo right but yeah and there's a bunch of but it's funny so thinking about experiences you're playing halo and if you're me there's a series of other science fiction touchstones that you think of and and halo feels like a rehash of all of them done in a slightly different way in a, a unique way because there's like seven or eight different you know levers that you can pull or something on this story <laughs> sliders um, you can yeah. slide right and they slid the sliders in a new way um and that's great <laughs> if you were procedurally generating science fiction alien invasion narratives well it lets the the narrative really set a backseat to what you're doing and Occasionally to a fault, because Cortana's talking to you, and you're yeah. like, I'm killing guys now, I right, cannot like, listen please, to you, Cortana. Yeah, can you please stop this? let me kill these guys and then tell me where I'm supposed to go? Right. And that's a game mechanical thing. But also, like, can you kill these guys and then tell me why? Right. Um. Well, yeah, and they start with some of that. I think the dialogue in the opening sequence is pretty clever. Yeah. At both telling you what's going on and not... It, I mean, it's very classically in media refs um, yeah like right shit's going on and then then we're about to crash land and <laughs> it's funny because they actually mention reach in the opening yeah. thing and so at this point you know that there is a game called halo reach right and one wonders what the arc of their were they just writing shit and then later they went back and wrote it into a, a larger arc or did they have a plan I would love to know answers to those questions. It's, well, they're not important. Interestingly enough, the very last level of Halo Reach is also called the Pillar of Autumn. Well, that's great. It is really great. <laughs> Obviously, that's a good idea. <laughs> I know. And so some amount of the end of that game involves getting the MacGuffin. Mm -hmm. It's been a while since I've played it, so I honestly can't remember if it's a person sure. or a, a rock or right. Cortana, maybe. I, I, right. I like. It could be a cube containing an AI. It could be. I mean, a lot of the MacGuffin is Cortana, which mm -hmm. in in the series, which is interesting because having the MacGuffin be a person is maybe better. So that that's one of the cool things about about that game. Also, interestingly, one of the games is Halo ODST, which um, has a large percentage of the cast of Firefly in it. Huh. Uh, Nathan Fillion, Alan Tudyk, uh, I don't remember which other ones. Those two. Those are some of the good ones. I know. The wine faded in, and then it faded out. <laughs> and the, the uh, well, courtesy to do a, a slow fade. Yeah, I know. What was I talking about? So, I don't know, we were talking about the story. I mean, I don't want to, like, spend too much time on the story, because oh. I think it's not important. Much later in the series, they made a game called Halo ODST. Right. Which Does it has... for something? Orbital drop. Okay. Ship. Yeah, I don't even care anymore. Orbital drop shock troops. So basically, no. No. <laughs> it might be a backronym. I don't know. That one has 
much of the cast of Firefly in it, which right. is fun. Yeah. But then Nathan Fillion's character at some point mentions, oh yeah, back on Reach, blah, 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 blah. Like they were there, but they managed to survive whatever that was, which has a plot of its own. But then they made Halo Reach afterwards, hmm. which mm-hmm. is set on the planet of Reach, which has events right. on it. Sure. Um, but Nathan Fillion's character shows up in it again. Voiced right. by Nathan Fillion again. It's fun. So he shows up and he escorts you on a mission. And then he, like, almost... So most characters in the Halo games die mm-hmm. in some way or are separated from you in a way. But, like, it's not it's not like a good universe to be a character in. Right. If you're not the Master Chief right. or whatever. I have questions about the Master Chief, but mm-hmm. maybe you should finish here. Oh, uh, but then, like, this character... I think his name is Buck. I don't know. Nathan sure. Fillion. He, he manages to be like, oh, I took enough damage. I better go fly away. I, I think he's a pilot. You just hear his voice. You oh, don't even see a sure. character for him. In there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The cat is in a box. It's extremely cute. It is adorable. So, uh, anyway, Buck's like, oh, no, I got hit a little scorched. I better fly away and do mm-hmm. something. And so then he leaves. But, like, you know that he survives right. this thing because he's in a game that takes place in the future from this game. Yeah. So it's it's kind of fun that, that they managed to have him in there a little bit. Right. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, um, what were you saying? So there's this story, um, mm-hmm. and you're playing it. And there's a really weird tension in video games, mm-hmm. which is that... You are obviously not playing the game for the story, hmm. but at the same time, you're playing the game for the story. So like um, a constructive tension, yeah, not not like a tension yeah, for yeah. the player in the game. But like, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking for myself, but mm-hmm. also for everything I know about video game players. Like, what I demand from the story from a book I read or a TV show I watch is different from what I demand from a video game. Mm-hmm. Right, because... Among other things, there are no mechanics involved in watching TV. Yeah. And there are very few mechanics involved in reading books. And it's quite straightforward. There's one mechanic. Um, <laughs> it involves maybe moving two. a thing from the right side of you to the left side of you. Right. Or, um, you know, depending on... Or, or, or vice versa, yes. Mm. So there's this funny thing where we mostly play video games, I think, for the game loop, right? For the mechanics. Yeah. But if that game loop is insufficiently motivated, we become unsatisfied and we want to do something different. So I was just thinking about this because I was watching somebody uh, tearing apart Fallout 3 on the internet. Okay, great. There's a YouTube video. Somebody says, Fallout 3 is terrible. Here's all the reasons why. Blah, 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 blah. How do you feel about Fallout 3? I find it quite enjoyable. Great. I've played no Fallout games. I played Wasteland on the Apple something, something. Okay. So that game, it was like, I loved the first Fallout and the second Fallout because I made them, among other things. (laughs) (laughs) But Fallout 3 was totally wrong because it didn't do all these things. And that was my first sort of introduction to this game isn't really, really, really good was somebody saying, oh man, that totally didn't do these things that were in the first couple of games. Right. And I realized that this is a big part of many of the criticisms of Fallout 3 was that, speaking of first-person shooters. That, that, that's first-person, yes? Yeah. Um, um, you can push a button and it becomes third-person. Okay, so it's unimportantly first-person. Yeah, and the VAT system is decidedly not first-person shootery. Right. In that you can enter time warp slowdown mode and choose yeah. to I mean, the, target people's heads. And... The, the difference between a game that is designed around first person and a game that is designed around an environment, and so we don't care which camera angle you choose, okay. is, is big. So here's the thing about that. It isn't not designed around first person. It is a first person exploration game, and then a sort of choose your own preferred style shooting game okay so it separates exploring in the first person from how you need to interact with enemies like in a mechanical way yeah i mean you were always in the first person mode okay except there's a button you can press and it enters you into time warp choose the part of the enemy i would like to be shooting roll a die to see if i hit them so it's not on final fantasy like yeah, except... And there's like a <laughs> oh, encounter. And... It goes... 
Yeah. And um, then you are now. But it doesn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and you you have like a few seconds where you mm-hmm. can be like head shoot 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 hit the button and it goes into slow mo. And right. some of them hit, and right. sometimes and some you heads explode. Sometimes their head explodes. But like the idea is, the combat in first person isn't strictly speaking the main part of the gameplay loop. Right. But exploration in first person is incredibly powerful. Right. You can look around you for Just maths. Look around you. Yeah, for the, all the maths. <laughs> so that's a really interesting game design choice because I. Among other things, I would never make it. Um. <laughs> but, I mean, I think it's a good and fun game. Yeah, it, it seems to have, like, reverse priorities around exploration and combat to my brain. But I haven't oh. played it, so... So what are your priorities between I don't, If I'm exploring the world, I want to be able to see all of it. Right, and that's what they did. But you, you said the exploring the world was in first-person mode. Yeah. Yeah, right. And so that's not seeing all of it in my mind. I don't know. I was thinking about this. And if you want to be able to walk around, look around, look up, Uh see a tower in the distance and walk towards it, isometric top-down view is really terrible for that. Okay, Um, sure. I, I see some of that. And I've been thinking about this a lot. Like, I want to be able to see into the distance. Yeah. And having a camera angle that involves being at the same height as the head of the player approximately, mm-hmm. whether that's third person or first person, is incredibly powerful for being able to look around, yeah. see an object in the distance, and, and want to go towards and it. And you feel very engaged with that sight. Um, right. Yeah, I, I think one of the ongoing preoccupations I have with game design... Um, so exploration is an ongoing preoccupation mm-hmm. I have because my childhood best favorite memories about game design or about playing video games are exploring a big open space and feeling like there's this big open space and it's connected to this great narrative, but like, I don't even know what's going on and I want to just go everywhere and see everything. And then as a grown up playing video games, my primary experience with this kind of thing is like, I don't have time for this shit. Like, I have to go to work tomorrow, and I want to be doing something right now that's interesting to me. Mm. And so there's a tension between those two things of, like, how do we make the moment interesting, Mm -hmm. but how do we create this feeling of of a world? Because nothing in my grown-up gaming experience is like the best moments of my childhood gaming experience. Hmm. Huh. Like, I have never played a game as an adult that made me feel as excited about the world of the game hmm. as I felt when I was a kid. I don't know. I mean, I played Fallout 3 as an adult. And, like, I really like the world and the way it is built. And you do a lot of exploring. Now, the funny thing about that game is that I agree that the world is... with. I agree with the internet in this case okay. not, uh, not with me I not, have no opinions on Fallout anything yeah. I don't know whether or not I would agree with you but the world is in many ways more interesting than the story that they've stuck in okay. which sure. brings us back to story as a thing right but like just wandering the wastes and finding a place and learning about a little town that you find is more interesting than whatever story they wrote about right. your father and some people complain about how you get railroaded through some of it I don't care about that I'm not strictly convinced that being non-linear is incredibly important in video games no it's not obviously good it's not obviously bad no i it's a choice and ultimately at the end of the game you have had a linear experience whether you could choose to do things but like right you have Um, chosen to do a series of things throughout the course of the game have you ever been the dungeon master um i mean with children in in our job yes Um, um, yes, I have in, um, with children in the job where we work. But with other people whose storytelling acumen you care about? Um, most of what I've done in that regard is playing DM-less games. Yeah. Like, okay. uh, Fiasco. Like, like Fiasco. Yeah, um, Fiasco's a great example of this. Actually, it's mostly Fiasco. That's what I... <laughs> that's why I said it. I've played it a lot of times. I'm trying to Which th- is... A great game. Fiasco devs, if you're listening. Uh, uh, thanks. Apparently, a friend of mine, Schwa, is friends with the Fiasco folks. Yeah, and awesome. Also, Schwa made the, um, 
the Lego the, the Lego Mech game? The Lego Mech game. But that that's so great. Yeah, Mobile Frame Zero. Yeah, Mobile Frame yeah, Zero. Yeah, yeah, that's made by a friend of mine. Well, that's great. Yeah, we should have him on. Yeah, and I want to play that game one day. I know, me too. He's prototyping a new game that's about Bronze Age role-playing. But in the spirit of me believing that the thing you do is more important than the thing the author has done, mm-hmm. um, what I really want from Schwa... Is Joshua. Okay, very reasonable. What I really want from Shaw is a set of instructions about how to make minimalist Lego models. Because the thing that's so great about all those models is that they're extremely expressive and have very few pieces. Yeah, it's weird. So he went to college with Kelly. Yep. My sister and our co-worker. But I met him. I'd heard about him for a number of years. And I met him at PAX East. Right. When I was there for a day. Which is unsurprising because I actually, I read about the game on Penny Arcade. Oh, funny. That was where we met briefly because it was at a very large conference full of many, many thousands of people. And then I met him again like a year ago. I didn't realize that it was him and that I had met him until it was like a day or two into knowing him and he was explaining his new game to me. And I was like, wait! Wait, I know this style of explanation. I know, I recognize this tone. <laughs> and it was, it was very funny. But he's great. And hello. Yes, um, I don't remember how we ended up here. <laughs> um, no, it's impossible. Oh, story and something, something. So I would like to put a pin in this, but I would like to say... Um, like a dead butterfly. <laughs> Or beetle. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's many an insect. And arachnid, maybe. But I am not entirely convinced that if you would like for people to experience a story, that putting it in a video game is the best way to do it. Right. And that's a big question. Because there's something really uniquely powerful about the experience of controlling a character. Mm-hmm. But there's a tension between that and experiencing a story because if you're going to make me control a character through a railroad, am I really controlling it? And, and that's a tension. But at the same time, there are, in fact, games that many people wouldn't call games where you make literally zero decisions mm. in a video game context. Like Candyland. Yes, but the video game version of Candyland with a sophisticated writing team. <laughs> mm. And where you just go from place to place and people tell you to do things and you do them and you have experiences and maybe you maybe you mm. make some dialogue option choices and maybe they affect the ending scene where the person who you worked with all game has a conversation with you at the end of the game but but basically you're experiencing this experience that's not fundamentally different from mm. from watching a movie mm. but it is because the very of pushing the button to make the avatar move mm-hmm. changes your relationship. Yeah, right. And so it's funny when you play a game like Uncharted, where you have zero control whatsoever over the story. Right. And that's true for all games, right? Like most games. Well, I mean, there's a lot of games where you can decide the outcome of a path. Like okay. even Fallout 3, you can be like, do I kill this person or do I help them? Okay. But, like, we're playing Halo. Yeah. Um, there's nothing we can do oh. in this game to affect the story. Right. Basically. Like, maybe there's a side character who could die or not if, if we make the wrong decision or we, we play badly. We can fail. Um, right. We can die over and over again. And we can um, quit. Right. We can, decide, we can decide we quit and therefore the Covenant wins. Um, <laughs> but no one has written that. Right, and that you'll never get shown, like, if it showed you an end scene right. where the Covenant won. It would be kind of great. <laughs> it, would, it would be kind of awesome. I mean, it would it would have been terrible. I would be like, oh my god, I can never quit this game. <laughs> I'm not suggesting that feature to anyone, really. I might be. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess if it was like a 20-minute game, and if you quit before I mean, the end of the 20 minutes and it told you you failed and humanity died. To be clear, I'm suggesting a very short cutscene because I don't <laughs> want to watch it over and over again. Right, right, right. Um, well, it's like dying and getting a little cutscene. I mean, right, yeah. The, the idea of getting feedback for whatever you do, mm. I think, is appealing. So, like, the idea of getting feedback for losing is almost as interesting as getting feedback for winning. Right. Um, oh, it's so funny. In Uncharted, the example I'm thinking of right yeah. now... So, for much of those games, you have a companion. You're on four? 
Yeah, there's four of them. I'm playing the third one. Yeah. I played the fourth one, and then one, and then and those two. Are the, and those are the ones with Nathan Drake. Those are the ones. And they're made by the people murderer. who invented Crash Bandicoot. Yes, which um, I have been playing again lately um, to be talked And about incidentally, later. they invented the idea of putting crates in games. I mean, it's a modification of the box. <laughs> Mario has been interacting with boxes no, for it's true, ages. They're relatively it's computationally the, it's, cheap. <laughs> it's the... They decided to move a box into three dimensions. Yeah, which is genius. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, Naughty Dog team. It's one of those things that's so genius, no one could have invented it. So, so when you die in that game, you very often have a companion. Right. It's your girlfriend or your wife or your right. mentor, or right. whoever it is, and your brother in the fourth one, and right. yeah. who they retconned into the whole story by the way <laughs> it's just very funny um and so you die right mm-hmm. sure normal gameplay like loop. you do oh i got shot a lot right. they have thrown in voice tabs for your companion whoever they use nathan no okay <laughs> that it um, plays over a faded to black sepia tone okay. thing you get this little like it sounds terrible but it's it's very short. It's like um, while it's reloading, so, it says you died on the screen. The, I mean, the reason I say that sounds terrible is because Metal Gear Solid, which is it is literally the last game I played when I was keeping up with games. Hmm. Um, but when you die, there's like one of your audio companion friends goes snake, snake. Badger, badger, badger. <laughs> right, and it's just funny because you're like, yeah, okay, I died. I died like ten seconds ago. I haven't figured out what I'm supposed to do with this level, so I'm probably gonna die like thirty seconds again. Mm. Well, this is fine because actually most of that game is quite easy. Yeah, and that's really important, right? Yeah. And how you do cinematics around death is related to difficulty. Right. So I've been thinking about this telling a story aspect as part of video game canon. Mm-hmm. Because I'm watching this video of this person who hates Fallout 3. Okay, sure. Yeah. And one of the reasons they hate it is like, it doesn't tell stories nearly as well as Fallout 1 and 2. Right. Which he was involved in writing. Well, no, uh, this is a separate person. No, okay. Sorry. This is just somebody uh-huh. on the internet. Okay. Not somebody related. Although there is a little bit of that in the person who made Wastelands. Okay. But this was just somebody else that... Made sure. a video okay. that I watched, and it's like an hour and a half long. I misunderstood something. It's all right. My antecedents were not clear. And so this guy is talking about it, and he's like, one of the reasons that this game is bad is because it doesn't tell stories nearly as well as Fallout 1 and 2. Okay. I don't think, and I've gone back to play old games like that a little bit, and like they are not compelling in the same ways that modern games are compelling. Fallout 3 is a modern game. I mean, that's like a... That's an extremely powerful statement. I'm not <laughs> saying that they're not compelling. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I just... want to just hear the rest, but I just want to point out that that's right. like an extremely powerful statement. So, Fallout 3 is a modern game. It uses the first person perspective, a lot of modern tropes, the buttons mm-hmm. are modern style. People aren't making, with the exception of Wastelands 2... They're not making a lot of isomorphic, isometric, isometric. But isomorphic has to do with screen mapping. I think so. It's Uh, when there's a one-to-one mapping of something. That's an isomorphism. That's my map training. Oh, that has to do with render. Oh, okay. So let's back up. (laughs) Um, Isometric Baldur's Gate clones. Yeah, Baldur's Gate. Um, People aren't making games like Baldur's Gate anymore. Or if they are, they're doing it. You know, it's as a throwback and over Kickstarter. throwback, Kickstarter style game. I've even backed some of them on Kickstarter, including Wastelands. Right. And so they, they just tell story through many blocks of text. Right. And that's not, strictly speaking, it's not a modern style of telling games. I'm not saying it's inferior. Like, 2D side-scrolling platformers are not a modern style of game, except they're coming back. Right. Yeah, um, I mean, I would claim they have never left rather than that they're coming back, but... I I would argue they left. I would argue that they went away, but they didn't go all the way away. 
And I think that's true of all games. It's why I don't think every game will be Sure. I mean, I don't don't know what years you think they went away, but I'm sure there were great platformers released in those years that you think they went away. But um, It's approximately (laughs) the entirety of the PlayStation 2. Um, And all those games were released on the internet, and they were Flash games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was, you know... There's this weird state in the game, but it doesn't matter. There are these things that are, like, Vogue or not. Breath of the Wild doesn't have voice acting, according to someone I talked to recently. Doesn't it have some... Yeah, hi, ha! But the story, all the content is told through text. Mm. This might not be true, so someone told me this. (laughs) I think it was, like, a 12-year-old. Oh, all right. Who was probably playing it. (laughs) None of the Zelda games have ever had any... I've never had voice acting. Um, They've had sound effects. I mean, the last one I played was Wind Waker. The last one I played was Link to the Past, so... (laughs) Um, Fair. (laughs) It didn't have voice acting. That's true. Although Final Fantasy III had that opera scene where there's some voice synthesis. Are you talking about three or six? That's six. Okay. Yeah. They didn't even know the difference between three and six, and that's the worst credibility. (laughs) Credibility gone. There's a voice synthesis in the opera scene in six. I can say that sentence, oh. three or six, but I have not played either three or six. Oh. So it doesn't really matter. Then I won't do my interpretation of voice synthesis. Oh, very good. Did uh, did you play um, Parasite Eve? Yeah. yeah. I love that game. That game is so good. That game is good. That is one of my favoritest games. Oh. And it's a weirdo it's... off, like, no one plays it. Oh, I, I might even still have it. I have so many thoughts and opinions about the game, and I All love right. it. I'm going to put an exclamation point yeah. on either side of Parasite. Many sides <laughs> That's right. of yeah. Parasite. I believe there's four sides on your two-dimensional representation. Have, they all have at least one and as many as three yeah. exclamation points. Um, no, that game is, is super great. It's also like a piece of shit in a lot of yeah, ways. I know. Like <laughs> movement and your legs sliding. You like run around on yeah, ice all yeah, the time. Yeah. But I don't know. It does a lot of really wonderful things. It has cutscenes kind of in the same way that uncharted does okay where it's like you go a little bit you get a little bit of a cutscene. you go a little bit you get a little bit of a cutscene. very different style of gameplay between them but that's part of it like the gameplay loop whether it holds up over time matters a lot like it's really hard to play a game whose gameplay loop doesn't hold up to the like whatever standards you're expecting out of a game mm-hmm. uh for the story. I've been thinking about playing Final Fantasy VII again as a general sure. concept. Yeah, as we all are almost all the time. Right. One um, day I'll play it again. Um, and I'm thinking about it and I'm like, how many times do I want to hit fight in a menu right. to play it again? And yeah. I've gone back and played the first Final Fantasy a lot of times because I have a Game Boy. And, I'm and like my, my own personal answer is that I don't, except I do if I can get a group of friends together because I like hanging out with friends while pressing the B button is fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so I like Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, it's a great game. Quite a lot. I, it had for a long, long, long time, I have said it is my favorite game. I feel like I should want to play my favorite game again. <laughs> and, th- and that's a funny one too, right? Because should you want to play your favorite game again? Mm. Um, is the experience that is your favorite experience repeatable? Um, I mean, I definitely played it more than once. <laughs> right, as have I. Um, I. I beat the weapons. Um, oh my god! There's a you know huge point of nerd pride there. Yeah, I I didn't do it. That's also a legitimate point of pride. Yeah, they're hard, and you gotta read not the internet because it didn't exist yet. Right. in the it's modern form. In fact, you must post messages to a BPS. Yeah, um, that was how I. Solve wow. some of these problems. Wow, but yeah, I mean, like, should you want to play that game again? I don't know. It was really awesome. I really liked it. I want to have that feeling again, but I know that Final Fantasy VII will not produce that feeling in me again. So it will produce a different set of feelings. And if it's a yeah. good game, I wonder if you could really remake Final Fantasy VII. It could be the same overworld game and the same cutscenes, but where you cut to a like action RPG event, right? Or some something, something, right? like, something that involves making more decisions or having control over the character. Like, yeah, my feeling about Final Fantasy is that all the fights are dumb. Like mo- the ninety percent of the game is stupid. 
pressing the attack button on monsters that you know you can kill by pressing right. the attack button. Sometimes you pick heal. Yeah, and maybe it's 80%. Like, maybe it's not as high as I'm... Yeah, there's not very much in the way of tactical decisions, and I... Except for the boss fights, and the boss fights are actually quite interesting. And that's why fighting the weapons is so fun, because mm. it presents this tactical, really, really hard challenge based around the system that you mostly have never been challenged in, because menu-based combat in Final Fantasy is mostly boring. You're like, yeah, okay, I do my most powerful attack... My right. healer heals whoever has taken most damage. Right. And um, after you have done that enough times, you get a new most powerful attack. Right. To yeah. Pick and then, from and, then on. And the numbers get bigger. Right. Yeah. But when you're finding the weapons, it's different. And you're like, oh, well, what can I do to beat this? And you're like, well, right. turns out I need to put sprint shoes on everyone because making more attacks is a big deal. Uh, and final attack phoenix is like a cool combo right and so, there's like all these like various things yeah yeah, yeah. that you and, discover yeah and that's like neat but that's such a tiny percentage of the gameplay right of that and game. it's very funny because it is gameplay that's there it's there in the system they made mm -hmm. but they deliberately decided that that was optional they deliberately said the challenge of our menu-based combat system is so esoteric and weird that we want to make it optional because we want people to do something else with our game. But yeah. people who are really into it can go do this other weirdo thing. Yeah, well, it's sort of like they didn't get rid of it. Because it was... Right. The first Final Fantasy is really interesting because as you play it, you have this limited resource over time. And sometimes you have to traverse very long distances where you get into fights and you mm -hmm. have to decide how to heal and whatever although it turns out you eventually get the healing helm and right yeah the they're all the thing. boring thing you do the same decisions right and actually after you've thought about it a little bit you're like oh i know what i should do this person should always heal although in the first one you only had a certain number of times you could heal right. and you had some potions you had a certain number of them and eventually you just break through and it gets easy and right the problem with the final fantasy mechanic for mundane fights is basically that everyone should always heal like, there's a, there's a really, really boring correct strategy, which mm. is keep everyone at full health and mm -hmm. occasionally do damage. And that will get you through every fight, and you will never fail. Or in the, their top 20%. Yeah, yeah. And so um, you attack or you heal yourself. Right. And you will never fail using this strategy, and it is pretty boring. Right. And sometimes what you do is go and fight sandworms for a long time to get money so you right. can race chocobos. So you can go ahead to the round, <laughs> which is its own thing. And actually, there's something funny about that because occasionally you're like, man, I just don't want to use my brain. I want to play this game. And so I'm going to fight sandworms for like 20 minutes and then I'm going to race chocobos for 20 minutes. And sure. I'm going to fight sandworms again. Yeah. And let's write mini games on our list of things we might want to talk about because mm -hmm. um, that's a, a big, interesting topic. That's true, yeah, and Mario Party. But then one of the conclusions here is that story in games is simultaneously extremely important and kind of dumb. And, yeah. and I say that in a flippant way. I love games and I love story and, like, I, I'm not trying to... It's... I know the internet is extremely hostile, so... <laughs> well, it's... Whatever terrible thing you think I mean, it's not what I mean. It's funny. Some of the thing I've thought about a lot is player story. Like, it's not the story of the game. Right. It's the story you can tell about, about... the experience you had. Right. Yeah. And that's really good. And sometimes the story that's really good is something that somebody wrote for you. Right. And you're like, man, it was so good. I liked it. That scene was great. And I loved that bit. Yeah. And sometimes it's something else. It's right. like, I was down to one healing potion and I knew that the boss I was fighting was low on health and I wasn't sure if I should take the potion or I should hit them with my attack and I decided to hit them with the attack and they died and I beat the game and it was awesome. Right. And that's like, you know, that's a good story. Right. And like, that's a story you could have by playing the original Final Fantasy or Final Fantasy 7 right. or... Or literally any or game. any game ever. Well, most games. Well, do. most games will... Any game with a healing potion. Sure. But all games will prevent you an opportunity where you can protect yourself or attack. Right. Um. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, and so, like, that's the player story. It's not the story of the game. Right. And so some games are right. designed around building player stories, and some games are designed around telling their story. And the ones that tell their story aren't always going to hold up 
to future generations. Right, of because at a certain point, eventually, you're like, well, your story is about collecting the seven MacGuffin objects and destroying the ancient evil. And I've done that a lot. Like, yeah. I've, I've collected so many MacGuffin objects and destroyed so many ancient evils. Yeah, I've restored um, crystals to light. Yeah. I've... <laughs> right. And they're all tools of three or four or seven. Oh, man, the <laughs> number of elements I've collected or defeated. It's hard to remember in any given instance whether you defeated the elemental evil or whether you restored the element to life. Right, the crystal by, yeah. And we can, like, make fun of these stories. But at the same time, the games are compelling, so the story isn't isn't really mm-hmm. the thing. There's something that is the thing. Right. Well, the first Final Fantasy is, like, the most epic story in any game up to that point. Right. And now it's laughable. Right. It's and, ridiculous. Yeah. The, the Warriors of Light and like, Four Crystals and blah, blah, blah. But compared to Get to the Right to right. Find the Princess... Yeah, it's phenomenally it's, good. Yeah, it's it's many orders of magnitude more interesting. But then, yeah, eventually you end up... I don't know, like Final Fantasy IV is really interesting because it has literally the same plot or more or less the okay. same plot as Final Fantasy, but it adds a bunch of characters. Right. right. So now there's these people who are collecting the crystals and, right. you know... And they have relationships and and interesting things happen based on that. In a lot of ways, I think character is considerably more important than story. Yeah. It's why Firefly is so good. Right. I was about to say that this is roughly true for television as as much as it is for for video games. Um, Yeah. And it may may or may not be true for other media. Like, every media has its own Mm. things. I've been watching the show Dark Matter. Okay. I've never seen it. It's on Netflix and it's space future. Cool. (laughs) That's that's for Kunlay. <laughs> and so it's it's the future. It's space. They're on a ship. Yeah, they go from place to place and occasionally take on jobs. Yep. That's um. what they do. This one starts they all have amnesia. Mm-hmm. They don't know what's going on. So their names are one through seven. That's a good premise. I don't I don't remember how many of them there are off the top <laughs> of my head. But yeah, so it's good and then they find out over the course of time that maybe they weren't all very good people mm-hmm. before they had their Amused. memories wiped. They were amnesed. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it's like if you wanted more Firefly and there you had run out of Firefly, there's like something there that you might want to watch. Right. You just keep... It's just not as good as Firefly. And this is not their fault per se because very few things are in this world. Firefly is really, really good. And this show, I think where it really falls down is the characters tend to either be caricatures more often and they tend to spend more time on the like plot and the events mm-hmm. and less time about how these people are and how they feel and what they're doing out there. In Firefly, it's quite telling. The amount of story that is covered in the whole season of the show is less than the amount of story that is covered in the movie mm-hmm. when they're like, oh, well, we have to like, we're trying to wrap something up. And they're obviously trying to wrap something up that was going to take a long time yeah. in TV, but they, they push it. Um, but we, we spent all the time talking about the story of Halo, which is not important, I think. I think that's, oh, yeah. that's ultimately what we've determined. Um, <laughs> right. Like, we've talked about sci-fi storytelling and video game storytelling, and none of that is a huge right. deal for this game. Right. So how did you like shooting aliens? Right. And shooting aliens is great. I mean, it's pretty great. It's confusing. There's aliens in like, a bunch of places... You don't know where they are. It didn't... I felt more confused and it felt more chaotic than mm. games that I have played and enjoyed. Mm. Um, which isn't to say I didn't enjoy it. I enjoyed it. It was great. The last first-person shooter I played in any sense that I worked hard on trying to be good at it was Jedi Knight. I played it online. I, and I have a, a mode of like thinking about games where it's like, if you can play multiplayer then that's like how the game should be played and you haven't Mm. really played it unless you're playing it against people. Right, so this brings up the point that we didn't play any of the multiplayer. Right. And that we very specifically didn't play Blood Gulch, which is a very important map in the world of Halo. And they basically redid this map in every other game that they did because it's two bases, one on each side. Mm -hmm. You run through, there's like some side tunnels you know paths that you can take and sniper rifles places and it's a really good map that i played a lot of and of course we didn't play it because we 
We didn't play it. We just played the campaign. Yeah. Um, and we played the campaign, and there's something that is fun about playing. I guess I felt like the game wasn't going to let me lose in any meaningful way, because when we died, we were going to go back not very far. And we were playing co-op, so both of us had to die simultaneously. So right. that's like a, a pr- actually pretty big barrier. I think that happened once or twice. Yeah, the fr- it, we were playing on normal difficulty, so there's harder modes. Right. Which, the best way to get through the most difficult mode involves one person staying back where it's safe and the other person running through and killing as many things as possible. Right. Which isn't strictly fun Sounds for like both a people. degenerate, boring. But... Well, you take turns, but yeah. you don't lose progress, yeah. but... So, like, we were playing um, normal mode, we were playing co-op, so, you know, what difficulty means is weird. But it felt like it was nice that I wasn't going to fuck everything up. Uh-huh. But at the same time, it's the dying and then doing the same thing over and over again that makes you feel like you're really making progress and acquiring skill. Mm. And so I'm not... Sh- I, I don't feel any great accomplishment. Mm. Like, I don't feel like, oh, I've gotten good at something. I've certainly gotten better at something. Like, I could feel my fingers getting better at aiming things. But it's not like, I don't know, the classic high-difficulty game. You play them, and, and you play them over and over again, and you get the level, and you're like, oh, yeah, like that, I locked that in. Like, I've got that, yeah. that feeling. Well, it's funny, because even Super Meat Boy, you don't have to go very far in any given one. Right. And in this game, it's also funny because we were playing co-op, so, like, sometimes maybe I killed the last enemy. Right, yeah, who knows? So, so you don't get that, like... Oh, we did it. And I think you get more of that in the single player. No, I'm sure that's true, right? Because if I was playing single player, I'd die and then I'd be dead and then I'd have to do it again. Right. And you have to kill all of the enemies in order Um, to advance. And so that was just like a weird feeling of just like, there's a lot of chaos and sometimes we win and sometimes we lose. It was interesting Um, because I've played through, especially these levels, a number of times. And so I would go through and I felt like I knew what was going on. Right. I also was really surprised at how much better at this game I felt than the the first time I played through. Because I played so much Halo 3 and then the multiplayer on ODST and Reach and those games, like a surprisingly large amount. And like, I never felt good at them. Right. I was always worse than whoever I was playing with as my teammate. But I ended up just being better at this game. And it's also really annoying because at some point along the line, they moved where the punch button was and they like flipped the reload and they like redid the loadout a little bit. And I was annoyed at how many times I switched grenade type rather than punching, I think is what I well, kept I, did, I didn't even notice there were grenade types. Oh yeah, there's plasma grenades oh, right, there's and frag two grenades. Kinds of grenades in this world. <laughs> That's true. That's a direct quote <laughs> from someone. I don't remember if I said it or you did. <laughs> but it's, it's it's a little bit funny how that is. But I, I've definitely gotten better at this game. And we were playing on normal. And, yeah, but it's interesting because one of the reasons we talked about playing this game is because I was playing Dark Souls. <laughs> and I said, I've almost literally never played a 3D game. And so the practice of controlling two different things with two different analog oh, yeah. sticks feels really hard to me oh yeah yeah that is why we did it and this feels ancillary like dark souls is famously difficult if you're interested in game design people mention it all the time and i'm interested in difficulty and i like difficulty and i like the idea that hard things teach you how to do them through failure i feel very strongly about that just as a basic tenet of life but also Mm -hmm. in game design and so i'm very interested in the idea of playing dark souls i'm like i'm gonna play this game and i started playing it and i was like I'm so frustrated by this practice of trying to move with one finger while controlling the camera with the other. Right. Um, And the game's supposed to be hard, but I don't think it's supposed to be hard to look at the thing I'm trying to kill. (laughs) That's true. So much of that part is just built in to anyone who plays games with controllers in the 3D space in modern games. Right, and I just haven't done that. And I'm used to, like, working hard on games, like, Mm. doing a hard thing over and over again until I get it. I love doing that. But I was getting really frustrated. I was just targeting the thing and keeping my camera facing in the right direction. All these things were, like... So I was like, I think this game is supposed to be hard, but I don't think it's supposed to be hard in the ways that I'm experiencing right Right. now. And so you're like, oh, well, let's play Halo, which is one of the most successful games in console history. It's a good tutorial. I'm not going to say it invented this setup of control sticks. Right. But 
it was a launch title on the Xbox, which had two control sticks. Right. It's one of the games that everyone in the world who was playing games at the time mm-hmm. learned to play games on. Yeah. And so it did quite a lot for the first-person shooter. And also, I knew that it had the co-op mode where both of us could be playing. And it's a nice way to get into this genre and this control scheme. Because you're not personally, individually responsible for saving all of humanity. You can do it with a friend on the couch. And you keep dying, and that's fine. Right. And then at a certain point, that just starts to feel frustrating. Where you're just like, well, I just don't even know whether I'm doing anything good or not. Mm. Um, you definitely killed a lot of people. I certainly pressed the fire button a lot. Yeah. Um, I mean, I didn't kill and, all of them. Right. And, like, sometimes the reticule was red when right. I pressed the fire button. That's how I felt when I first started playing. Because that's yeah. sort of my intro to the whole genre beyond Wolfenstein. Was playing this and playing co-op with a friend, going through and beating it, feeling like I didn't really do much. Right. But it was still good. Like, yeah. Ultimately, it was... It worked, and I was like, oh, that's still fun. Yeah, it was fun, and I, I want to play more. Like, I would love to finish the game. Mm. Um, I mean, I don't know if that's true. I don't know how long it is, but... Um... It's not that many levels. <laughs> um, and we did, like, a third or a quarter of the yeah. game. I mean, it advances in difficulty, so mm-hmm. I don't know if I could sure. do it. But things being harder is also fun, because eventually... Right. Like, I mean, one of the things that I kept saying over and over again, you would say something about a gun, I'd be like, I don't even fucking care. Like, I don't, I don't care about guns. I just, I'm working on this thing. Like, right, right, right. I'm working on pointing towards enemies and killing them. Eventually I'll decide that I can pick a better gun. Um. <laughs> right, and eventually it'll be like, here, take this rocket launcher and you'll feel better about right. gun changing. <laughs> right, but yeah, and as the game seems well designed, so presumably you go through it and at the end you have a sense of what all the capabilities yeah. are. Well, a lot of what happens is you just run out of guns that you think are any good. Because you're like, oh yeah, this gun that has bullets is great. And then the covenant weapons you have to like get used to mm-hmm. and figure out how to use them. And we did not get to the flood yet, which Will doesn't even know what I'm talking about. Do Familiar that. with the concept of a flood. <laughs> Why is the world in love again? Okay, so I think that we should probably wrap up. Yep. I believe that what we have done is made two podcasts. All right. The pre As usual. Yeah, as usual. The pre-playing Halo 1 podcast and the post-playing Halo 1 podcast. Yeah. So I think we're going to wrap up. I think it's been great. Do you want to wrap us up? I don't, I don't even know. Um, <laughs> I mean, I do, because I think we're just about done. But I don't have any, any grand wrap-ups to do. I don't know. I think that's it. I think yeah. you just say, hi, I'm Will. So that's great. Um, I'm Will, and, and this um, with side quests. Yeah, and I'm Bryce. Um, <laughs> I can rearrange those in post. Yeah, that's great. Hey, we'll fix it in post. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>